Hey everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Aus Till Show. We are produced by Cade Claiborne, the man, the myth, the legend. The guy that likes tomatoes as his favorite food. That's incredible. I'm I'm about it. Okay, okay. We are sponsored by the Tennessee Ministry Network and TYM. And nobody else. Nobody else. No cool sponsors yet. Um, I haven't sorted through all my emails yet, but I'm sure they're lined up to sponsor us. So. It's kind of like on Instagram. I'll get these like DMs of people saying, hey, can you do you want to rep our brand? Yeah. I'm always scared of those. <laughs> of what, what, so they're like, here's our Instagram. And then you go on it and they got three followers. It's like, this is. This is a scam. I think because I've posted so many pictures of food that the toilet paper companies are after me. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they're, they'll probably sponsor us. I hope so. Which, what's your favorite toilet paper? Uh, Cottonelle, without a doubt. <laughs> the aloe infused. Oh, my God. Because I'm telling you, it'll clean you up. But not only that, like it'll leave it refreshed. <laughs> that was a shameless plug for Cottonelle to come on board. Cottonelle. Cottonelle. Support us. Be yes. our sponsor. They got ridges. Oh my God! In the toilet paper, so well, we, we will we will stop <laughs> there. Cottonelle, we love you. We're waiting on your call. We're waiting. <laughs> well, today's episode is going to be focused on fatherhood, and I'm a father. You're a father. We're fathers. We've both been sons, and so we probably yep. have a few things to say about it. Oh, you got some stuff. Uh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> I, I will say from the very beginning that. Uh, in no way, shape, form, or fashion do we uh, assume or believe that we are experts. Brooks and I are both very much in the throes of parenting. I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. How old's Griffin? He's three and a half. So very distinct at that age three that the half. half matters. It matters, and I'm just going to tell you, I will never write a book on uh, on father fatherhood. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> so... And, and, on that note, we're not experts, but what we would yeah. like to do is share a little bit of what we're learning, yes. uh, maybe some of our struggles, and we hope that in the middle of all of that, if you are a young father, uh, if you are a father whose kids are grown and out of the house, uh, either way that you'll find some encouragement or you'll at least be able to relate and identify with what we're talking Take some about. Take pressure off yourself. Yeah, so we're not speaking from having accomplished anything. Yes. Yet. We are speaking from living very much in the middle of fatherhood. I'm very much at the beginning of you, it. You, very beginning. Very beginning, so. So, but I, I referenced it before. We are fathers, but before we were fathers, <laughs> we were sons. Yes. And all I can think at this point in life is, God bless my dad, because I was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, my dad has actually called me an idiot before, so. <laughs> Big Donnie <laughs> done thrown the smack down. There ain't no doubt about it. I know without a doubt I got on his nerves. So. Well, I I got on my dad's nerves very, very bad. And then I would be mad at him for getting frustrated getting with me. Getting you. But now that I look back, he had every right hey. to be completely annoyed and disgusted and roll his eyes and just walk away and be like, I'm done. He wasn't he probably wasn't in the wrong whatsoever, was he? No. Not not usually. <laughs> so so my dad and I, one of the things that we did together is we hunted. And it seems that most of the me annoying my dad stories are centered on the outdoors. Uh and my immaturity and the and great outdoors. The great outdoors. It seemed in the outdoors, my fears and insecurities and all under that umbrella usually 
came out in full force. So, so just a couple of moments. My my dad took me squirrel hunting when I was young. I was under ten years old, and we went we went squirrel hunting, or maybe I was ten years old. Anyway, we went squirrel hunting, and uh, we're walking in this in this valley. You know, there's kind of some high yep. hills, and you know, squirrel hunting. You've got to be quiet. You, you with a gun. With a, I'm holding a four ten shotgun. And you're how old? About ten. Incredible. <laughs> Carrying it, incredible. He's lucky he didn't get shot in the back. That's right. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, you got to be quiet. You're stalking. You're listening. And and my dad, he tells, he would tell this story. You know, he's walking along, and he turns around and looks back for me, and I'm like fifty yards behind my. him because there was a log that was like suspended in the the ditch thing that we were in. And I had sat on the log. Oh no! Holding my gun, and, no, and <laughs> riding it like I was riding a horse. <laughs> so <laughs> your dad was ready to leave you out there by yourself, wasn't he? I mean, I wish I could remember the exact expression on his riding face, but I, I'm sure it was like, "My like, gosh, what am I doing? What is happening right now?" So, so another time, uh, I got a little older, and we'd go deer hunting together, uh, and hunting. Of course, hunting. And we we would climb in the first few years we would deer hunt together. We'd climb in a tree stand together. We'd kind of sit in the same spot. It never failed. I'd be miserably cold, shivering, and wanting to go home. And he, you know, of course, he's like an incredible hunter. And he, he probably had been out there twenty minutes. No, I mean, no time at all. We done walked yeah. in in the dark. I'd stepped in cow paddies, walking through pasture. I mean, I was a train wreck. Train wreck. Shivering, <laughs> wanting to go home, and he's just like. You're a wuss, you know. <laughs> we ain't going home. You're you're lame, uh, and and so we got a little older. I did, and he started letting me have a little more responsibility, and so that meant he would go to one spot and sit in his stand, and he would put me in another spot in a stand. He uh, was saying, "Get away from me!" For the time I mean, basically, day. he wanted to kill a deer, and here, here's and, your own, space. and didn't want me distracting him. You can. I'm sure. Yeah. He, I'm sure he's trying to prepare me for manhood. Yeah, yeah. He. So one of the times I was. Uh, in a tree stand, and we were hunting in the afternoon, and and as the sun starts going down, the coyotes start howl, howling. My God! I mean, and it sounds if you've ever been in the woods when the coyotes start really getting going, it's eerie. It's literally like people laughing. Yes, and and like death. It yeah. just like I don't I won't imitate the sound, but you yeah. get you get ten coyotes They're cutting up, so to speak. Yeah, just cutting up and howling, and it's. I mean, it'll make the hair stand. And up. how old were you then? In this, I mean, one? I was in my my early to mid teens. I mean, you were you were just a you would be a little snack. Yes, I wouldn't be nothing. Guys. But I'm in the tree. I'm safe. And then, of course, when you're hunting, you know that that deer tend to be seen most as the sun's coming up early, and then as the sun is setting setting. So the sun is setting. It's getting prime, like that prime thirty minutes or so of hunting. The coyotes start whipping, and I am terrified. Yeah, man, you. Like scared to death. You're filling up your underwear, aren't you? I, I mean, I was absolutely mortified because I knew that I had to come out of the tree, climb down the ladder, and go meet him. And bro, there's coyotes out here. So, so I start hollering, <laughs> "Daddy, daddy, daddy!" I mean, I'm a teenager, and he said he was thinking, "Shut up, boy." He was sitting, you know, he could hear me across the valley. Shut up, boy. Ruining the hunt for him. The best time of hunting the whole day. We've been waiting for this 30 minutes. And you're over here hollering, Daddy! <laughs> I annoyed my dad. He didn't kill nothing that day, did he? Neither one of us did. We didn't even see anything. One more story, and then we'll yeah. we'll get off of that. Uh, my dad, 
Now, he's got, you know, he would have to own some of this. Uh, He had a climber stand. And a climber stand is, it's two pieces. Right. And you hook it to the tree, and then you use it to literally climb up into the tree. So something I would literally never be able to do. I mean, yeah, just to be honest. (laughs) Never doing that. Go go ahead. I mean, yeah. (laughs) We're not not doing it. So... So I'm a teenager. I'm probably at this point, you know, 15 years old. Best shape of your life. I mean, I can do it. So so he takes me to the tree that I'm going to hunt out of and says, climb it. I'm going to go hunt way over here. You climb it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I had never practiced on a climber. I had never, like, I had, I had no experience with a climber. And I get in the climber. And I start climbing the tree, and I found it wasn't hard to climb the tree. You know, I'm doing one thing at a time, like going up like a cinch worm. I get, I get pretty far up in the tree. I don't know what a, <laughs> yes, I, don't, I, don't know, a, I don't know what a cinch worm is. Is that one of the worms that crawled the tree? It might like be that? an inch worm. I don't know. I probably said it wrong. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anymore because please, I don't please, want to get banned. <laughs> please comment. Is it cinch worm? I don't know worm. what cinch worm it's is. One of those that does this. It's one of the ones whose whose body is shaped. Pretty much like mine, but it crawls up slowly. Go ahead. So I get up in the tree. I hunt the whole hunt, I, and it's starting to be dark. It's time to come down. Well, the, you have to to do it a certain way to climb down the tree. Get down. And and so I started trying, and I found myself instead of going down, I kept going higher. Oh no! And I could not figure out how to get to get the stand to go down. And uh. I mean, I just kept going higher and higher in this tree, and finally, I just panicked, and I took the harness off. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, you at this point, up. the stand's like thirty feet. You had given up hope. I'd you? given up. I I climbed out of the stand, wrapped my arms around the tree, and <laughs> shimmied. You look like Jack and the Beanstalk when they were trying to get away from the giant. Listen, I had this was tore up. I mean, I mean, you were you were getting rocked by that tree, wasn't you? And my dad finally shows up and he's like, "Where's the stand?" <laughs> he didn't care that you look like a scab. No, he didn't. All he he all said he, he said some words. I mean, so he had to go back at some point in. and get his tree stand out he of the He went tree. in on it. It was like, it? well, you didn't teach me how to go down this tree. So anyway, I annoyed my dad. He had every right to be annoyed. Oh. Did, did Donnie ever oh get annoyed gosh. at you? I, the, the first story I remembered, when I was a kid, I was probably no more than four or five years old. We had a neighborhood yard sale. We had mm-hmm. a yard sale that morning, and they woke you up at the at the crack of dawn. Right. And... I remember, I specifically remember it because he brought me a gravy biscuit from Hardy's. Hardy's, if you're watching, that'd be a good sponsor. Hardy sponsor us. I love their gravy biscuit. But I remember he's like, hey, son, I got a gravy biscuit. Come on, get up. You know, it's still dark outside. I'm sitting at the table while I'm eating it. Well, the yard sale had ended at this point, and my, the women folk went to Walmart or somewhere like that. The women folk. Dad said, man, you're going to clean the shed out. The shed? The shed. Okay. Making sure that's what I said. <laughs> So we're going to clean the shed out. I said, okay. So we get out there. Well, Dad had an old set of golf clubs, and I decided while he was cleaning the shed out, I was going to get out here and swing grown man golf clubs out here. Probably, I don't know, probably a pitching wedge or a nine iron, something like that. Right. I'm out there swinging it. In the garage? Well, all or, the, you yeah, gone out of the garage? Out of the, out, just outside the shed. Okay. So I'm swinging it as hard as I could swing it. 
Well, I turn around and my dad's like, he's like staggering, like he's fixing to black out. I had hit that upside the head, didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about rocked him. He was out there like I thought dad was like having a heart attack or something. He was out there trying to figure out where he was at. I had hit him upside the back of the head with it. <laughs> he he had a right to be annoyed. He remembers it to this day. Uh and I remember him grabbing that golf club. Boy, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Quit swinging, Dave. Right. Uh, didn't really, cause I was so young, didn't yeah. really, I mean, I was just a little older than Griffin is. Right. <clears throat> didn't really get on to me, but I know he was super annoyed and probably had a big old knot on the back of his head. Of course. Uh, but the most annoyed I think I've ever seen my dad is when he let me drive a truck of his for the first time. Okay. And somebody asked me, they said, when did you have your first wreck? And I said, when I was 12 years old. My gosh. <laughs> Let's just pause for a minute. Every dad out there, <laughs> you remember these stories, and, and you have a God-given right to yes. retell them for the rest of your kid's life, even into adulthood. Yes. Dad is going to watch this and remember exactly what I'm talking about. But we were out at the ball field. Yeah. I played ball down at AUM, down in Montgomery, for you Montgomery folks that are just watching it. And uh, we were in the truck, and I said, Dad, why don't you let me drive the truck? I'm, I'm about 12 years old at this point. Dad said, all right, we're going to drive around to the batting cages on the mm-hmm. other side of the, the park. And so I, I get in the truck, and I drive it, and there's an opening, a gate opening that you had to, and there was these two big old wooden columns, and then the, the, the gate was attached, big, big metal swinging gate. Yeah. Well, I was, he said, make sure you got enough clearance. Well, so I'm, I'm driving, and I'm watching my side. Because when you're 12, you know what, make sure you have enough clearance. Yeah, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. (laughs) All I knew is I needed to get through this gate. Right. Well, the next thing I know, I hit something, not on my side, because I got plenty of clearance on my side. Dad is over there white-knuckling the truck. (laughs) The truck wouldn't even hardly go forward. Well, I decided I was just going to go ahead and hit the gas some more. (laughs) I hit the front end of that truck on that column, and I drug (laughs) the column down. The whole side of the truck dented the, the 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 door in so much that my dad could not even open his side of the door. My gosh. He said, what are you <laughs> He was gritting his teeth. What are you doing? <laughs> dad called me a moron. He said, you moron. <laughs> called me a moron. He didn't mean it. He meant it. He meant it. He had to climb over my side to get out. I literally just, and I and I never asked dad to this day, but. That truck ended up being my truck when I turned 16. It was an old truck, but that thing had a brand new paint job on right, it because right. he had to get it fixed. Uh, and I haven't asked Dad this, but I wonder if he told the insurance company right. I wrecked it. He probably didn't. <laughs> no, probably didn't. But I think about stuff like that with Griffin because the other night Griffin was, was upstairs and I hear a boop, 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 coming down the stairs. And I thought, Griffin has done flip down right. the stairs. All of a sudden, I hear a crash into the door. Griffin has went up to the bonus room, my man cave. You've been to my man right, cave. I right. got a surround sound, the subwoofer on the floor. Griffin has stuck his <laughs> little cars down in, his, in the subwoofer. Yeah. Can't get it out. His Francesco Bermuda car oh my. from Cars. Right. So he decides to get it out. He's going to unplug it, take it to the top of the stairs, and throw the whole subwoofer <laughs> down the top of the stairs. Gashed the wall up, 
What did you say to him? I was like, ran around the corner. I go up there. He's at the top of the stairs. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> he runs to the bonus room, gets on the couch, and covers his eyes. <laughs> All I can see is his little teeth. He was going like this. And I had to discipline him, of course. Yeah. Because I didn't want him to get hurt. Right. But he had to know. Right. That. And you'll tell that story forever. Tell it forever. You tell me a little um, about. And that's your... one of the struggles because I don't want to like. Yeah, you don't you... want to get on to the. Right. It's He's tough. so small. It's tough. You know. So you you told me a little bit about your first ACT. Oh, my gosh. And, and so tell us about that and then we'll, we'll dive into so, some of the details. So I took. The ACT, I think I took it three times. Okay. And the running joke, I don't know what the perfect score is, like 36. Yes. The running joke with my dad is Brooks scored a 36, all three of his scores <laughs> combined. <laughs> That's the running joke. I got my test results back for the ACT, and my dad looked at it, and he said, this is the dumbest score I've ever seen in my life. He said, I think you might have got your name right. <laughs> then he starts comparing me to guys that he went to school with. He oh, said, gosh. so-and-so scored higher than that, and he was dumb as a rock. <laughs> and he was dumb as a rock. Well, thanks, Dad. And then, like, a little bit later, like, probably Mom said something to him about it, and he was like, oh, you be all right. You just need to study a little bit more, you know. <laughs> he was trying to make it right. But the truth is, my dad was right. <laughs> I was dumb as a rock. <laughs> And I had no business taking the ACT anyway. So my gosh. So our dads, <coughs> which had, by the way, my dad really does love me. <laughs> there's no great, doubt. Great father. If Donnie, if you're watching, you yes. are the man. You're a great father. Yes. You you've done an awesome job raising your kids. And uh, but we all have those moments. Oh yeah. As a dad, where something happens and self control goes out the window, and you, yes, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is how could you be so lose, dumb? Your, yeah. lose your mind? Like Brittany's like, why are you hollering like that? Right. <laughs> hey, what, hey. You know, you just just yelling for no reason, really. I'm, I'm. You know, I told you, like, I'm. I want to talk about fatherhood, but I also want to be a little bit careful because like, my kids know where where my YouTube channel is, and the, they uh, they like watch the Austin show. The last time I saw Kingston, he said, "When are y'all shooting another show?" Right. So. He was ready for it. So, you know, I, I, Griffin's not there yet. Maybe he'll never come across my YouTube channel. But, uh, and by the way, if you want to watch the show, Jeremy Austell YouTube channel. Right? Might as well plug that right now while right? we're at it. And you can listen to this in podcast form on iTunes. So anyway, uh, we said it earlier. We're not experts. Not experts. Uh, we're living right in the middle of it. We have our struggles. We have our issues trying to do the best we can as parents. And the problem with parenting and being a dad is there's really no manual. I, I've said it like this. There are thousands of books written on parenting, but not one of them is about my kids. Yeah. Not a one. You could read every book on parenting there was and not literally, it really doesn't matter. And still feel inadequate, still feel like you're not doing a good job. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe some of that that we can talk about will help those of you that are watching or listening to just feel a little better about yourself. Yeah. It's nice to know you're not alone, right? You're dealing with a unique being with that child. Yes. There is no other person in the whole world that's like that child. Right. And and they everybody's wired differently. A unique call on their life. Yep. God has specific plans for them. 
and and it can be a little daunting, a little overwhelming to know that I'm responsible for this human. Yeah. And and this is no disregard to moms out there, but just from biblical precedent, and and not just biblical precedent, but psychologists, you know, studies. The data is extensive that a father's role in the life of a child has monumental influence on their soul, on their spirit, on the trajectory of their lives, maybe even more so than a mother. Uh, And I think that's part of God's creative design. Uh, It's part of the way we're all wired, needing that father figure to be uh, full of affirmation and affection uh, and setting a strong course for us. And so you start thinking about that. I mean, I, I really believe this. The overwhelming majority of issues that we have in our nation oh. could be solved if we had good fathers. Good father. I mean, the statistics show it. It's astronomical. If a father is present, that is an incredible advantage to a person. You know, we, we talk about, you know, built-in advantages. And, of course, in that conversation, you'll talk about race. You'll, you'll talk about socioeconomics, you know, poverty or wealth, but but maybe the greatest advantage anybody can have is a loving father that is very present in their yep. life. And I know there's some dads watching this that that you you through divorce you're not necessarily living under the same roof with your kid, right. but that doesn't remove you from the equation of possibly being an incredible influence you're that gives life to your kid. And so all that considered, it's overwhelming. And it's like I just don't want to mess them up. Do you what? What would be um, maybe your biggest struggle or two as a dad, whether that's outwardly or just internal in your thought life? I mean, you think you hit it. You don't. You want them to be successful, and if they're not success, if they it, the the thought of what if they're not successful one day, I don't think I I would be able to live with myself. If, yeah. If if you know if 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 my son didn't pan out, you know yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> the way that I've envisioned it or, or what I want for them. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about that. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. Like it, there's two parents in this yeah. me and Brittany, but I feel like when I go to bed at night, like the success of Griffin, it, it hinges on whether or not I do exactly what I need to be doing. Or right. Not. And that's a huge weight to carry. You said it pan out. Well, what yeah. is? How do you define that? You know, we'll 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 talk about that in a little bit. Um, where their life should go. I mean, that's right. that's another pressure point that we'll we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, I I don't know that I can pinpoint my greatest struggle with being a father. Uh, I can say that it is my biggest insecurity in right. life. Uh, of knowing the weight of it and the responsibility. I, I'm not insecure about preaching. I'm not insecure about leading. Right. I'm not insecure about the position I'm in or the influence I do or don't have. But being a dad is something that I am just really uncertain of, of whether I'm doing a good job. And right. the problem with being a dad is you don't really know if you did a good job or if you're doing a good job right. or not because they're right. not grown. And so you live with this constant, I hope I'm not messing them up. I hope I'm giving them life. I hope my presence in their world is life-giving and not detracting. Because on that that note, I know my issues. 
Yeah. I know my deficiencies. And like I have these big concerns that they will take on the lesser parts of me. Boy, I tell you what. Yeah, the things I like the things I don't like about myself. We you know, we've talked about insecurities before, like I don't want them to deal with those same things. I want them to, you know, where I fell short, I want them to excel. Yeah. You know, I want Griffin to do really, really well in school. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, just from a physical standpoint, like if he, if he was to struggle, I'd feel like, well, that was my fault too. Yeah. You know, I, got I didn't you. do what I need to do. Um, but I think thinking, you know, as he's getting older, you know, and he's at parents day out and he's, mm-hmm. you know, there's been times where he's, he struggled in school, just, being rough with other kids or, you know, you pick them up and, yeah. and they, they say, well, he did this good today, but this right here, he didn't do as good. Well, you ought to, yeah. you ought to, you automatically just start blaming yourself. But uh, just looking back, I know we told stories about our dads, some of the things we aggravated him with, but I remember things that my dad did that were so, I, I saw him in his word yeah, a lot. You know, I saw him pay for people's groceries at the grocery store that couldn't pay for their own. Yeah. You know, before I knew who Jesus was, my, my dad was the first Jesus I ever saw. That's awesome. Yeah. And so if I could have like, where I struggle, like if I can kind of just put that in my mind, if I could just have those moments where hopefully Griffin sees me do a few good things, maybe he'll latch onto those. Right. Right. And run with it. That the positive influence will far outweigh any potential negatives. Negative. Yeah. We all have negatives. Absolutely. None of us are perfect, which sounds so cliche, but when you're fathering, it's good to remind yourself that you're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to have the right attitude. You're not always going to say the right thing. You're not always going to make the right decision. And, and that's not going to necessarily ruin their life. Right. You know, um, it, it's challenging to consider the weight of being a dad and so I've I've tried to boil down my fatherhood into a few objectives. Yeah. These are things I want to do. But I do want to backtrack before I get into those, because you said something about your dad being the first Jesus you see, uh, or that you saw. <clears throat> Admittedly, I mean, my dad didn't know Jesus till the end of his life. Right. And so I, I didn't I didn't have the 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 privilege or the opportunity to look at him and see faith, you know, that that I walked. I mean, my mom and my grandmother are why I'm in the faith. But in God's infinite wisdom, like 42 years old, the negative stuff maybe that was in my dad, the Lord processed and led me through. And I literally, I can be standing at Camp Jackson, and it will happen, no doubt. I'll be standing at Camp Jackson in the middle of this summer of camps, and there will be a moment when I'm leading, when I'm in charge and responsible, and I can hear my dad. Your, your dad's voice. Like, I can, I can, and not, not in the spooky, like, God, he's talking to me from heaven, but his good traits, the parts of his nature that that were incredibly useful for God's plans the, the for me. The grinding, taking charge mentality. Yeah, because yeah. my dad was an entrepreneur. Yeah, he 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 owned his own business. He took it from nothing to being very successful. Knew how to get the job done. Yes, and I can see those things, and it's amazing how even even though my dad, it took a long time for him to come to Jesus. There were traits buried in him, uh, traits given to him that 
were passed down to me that God intended for them to come to me. He intended for me to have the dad I had so that he could hardwire me and and I would, through redemption, those would be incredibly useful. Yeah. So even if if you're a dad and your dad didn't know Jesus, there's still good in him oh, somewhere that is manifesting in you that's beneficial and that you'd do well. Uh, I, I'll say this. It's impossible to be a good father if you're bitter uh, at your father. Yeah. Uh, you got to find healing. But that's a whole nother, man. That's a whole nother. Well, and I just, just when you said that, you were, we were talking about your father, like your father finished really well. Yes, he did. And I I don't know about you, but I I could care less about a about a start, but a, a good finish is is always better than a yes a rocky start. And I love my dad, and I yeah. we like I, nothing negative to say. I, I just uh, I I just I just have realized that that even even though in the realm of faith we weren't always congruent, right? There was stuff in my dad that was made good in me. Absolutely. And so uh, I, I love that about the Lord. I love that about my dad. Um, so anyway, objective. I, I've tried to boil down being a dad into these objectives. And I, I kind of alluded to the first one. Because I'm not always going to get it right. Because I'm not always going to have the best attitude. Because, because I'm not always going to say the right thing or make the best decision. Because at times I'm going to be emotional. Oh, yeah. You know, at times I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, harsh. Uh, and that's a part of my personality that that I just want the Lord to continue to refine. Like I don't want to be a harsh person, but I do have that. I can have that edge, and I don't want that in my kids' lives. I don't want them to feel that from me. Um, but I'm not going to always get it right. So here's my number one objective: be present. Yeah. Like, like, and when I don't get it right, lean into presence. Like, don't don't retract and beat myself up and feel bad about not getting it right. That's the time to draw near to compensate for the fact that I didn't get it right. Just be there. Yeah. So so be present. Being uh, being home as much as possible. I travel and preach on weekends, but I, I once our kids uh, got to a certain age where they couldn't go on the road with us right. anymore. All right, I'm not staying in a hotel any more than I have to. No. You know, right. I'm a, I want to tuck my kids in at night every chance I get. I want to take them to school every morning that I can. If they got something going on at school, I'm going to be there. When we're home, if they want me, and I'll even tell my kids this like, hey, if you just need time with me, if you feel like you just want me, say it. I'll stop whatever I'm doing. Right. If you just say, hey, dad, I want you. Like, I, I need some time with you. Because presence can compensate for a lot, right? It, it can. It's not, every, it's not about everything you get right. Just, like, they're going to look back on it. And and most people are going to attend. They're going to they're gonna go to some good times, and they're going to think, you know, during the good and the bad, he was there. Yeah. And, you know, Griffin, he's he really just now starting to talk, and, you know, he was, you know, a little later doing that. But he'll... Sometimes he'll stop and he'll go, Daddy, what are you doing? Wow. So he's he's wanting to know mm-hmm. he's wanting to know what I'm doing. And and I don't know if that's God's way of reminding me, like, always always be there because the child's always gonna want to know what the father's doing. That's good. And uh and so uh fatherhood is greater than I ever imagined it it could be. And yeah. even though you have like tension, like I wanna be a good father, like I wouldn't trade anything for it. It's it's right. You know they they absolutely say, incredible. They say in sports the most important ability is availability. 
Absolutely. Like, you know, if you're a dude that's always injured, it really doesn't matter how talented you are. Like, you're useless. Right. Uh, and it feels like dad being a father is like 90% availability. It is. Like being present. Uh, another objective I have is to to hold the tension between shaping them and discovering <laughs> them. And uh, and that is a real tension because we all have ideas. When, when our kids were born, when, when our wives were pregnant, and we were waiting for their arrival, we concocted all these ideas of, who they were going to be, all the things, all the things we were going to do with them, mm-hmm. and and so we had certain ends in mind. Oh yeah, and we do have a responsibility to shape kids. We have a responsibility to be intentional about helping them form their faith, helping them form morals and ethics, helping them form uh, a life of obedience and respect and honor. But at the same time. There is this overwhelming temptation to try to push them into certain areas that you've already envisioned for them. <laughs> I, I'm I'm 11 years in now, and I'm coming to the realization that he uh-huh. is he is not going to be everything I envisioned. Just throw the list out, <laughs> right? All of those things I imagine, he's not going to be all of those things. And I can either I can either try to impose my predetermined ideas on him, or I can spend my time discovering him. Right. This human being, uniquely knit by God, known, you know, as he was being formed in the womb by the Almighty, discovering the good works God planned for him. And that's hard as a dad to, because in essence, you're having to let go some. Yeah. And and say, all right, who are you? And I'm going to do the hard work of discovering you. Right, right, and uh, it's fun, and and then once you discover, you got to meet them, meet them where they are. I you mean, know, you you got to meet them in what you discover. Yeah, find out. You know, the things that they're good at, they're probably good at them for a reason. The things that they love, they probably love them for a reason. Right, they're, they probably, you know, Griffin loves cars. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, who's to say he wouldn't never be a mechanic one day or something? Yeah. I mean. You just don't know what they're going to become. Right. The thing is, is whatever they are passionate about, whatever they love now, they're probably going to continue to love it. Yeah. And as a dad, you know, I think it's our responsibility to figure out what they love. Yes. And just run with them on it, support them in it, you know. And and me and Brady would have these discussions. Well, what if he likes this? And it might be something I don't really like. Before we had him, it was like, nah, he ain't doing that. Right, you know? right. But now that he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Griffin likes to sing. We we find out that Griffin really likes to sing. Well, I would have never thought that, you know, Griffin's a you know, and and I'm not saying he's gonna be a singer or a yeah. worship leader or nothing like that, but like he hums a lot, and yeah. he's well, you know, you know, he may he may go that route, or right. he may have some musical ability, but I, when they're young, try to let them do as much as possible. But whatever they're really good at, yeah, run with them on it, right? So. So I don't know if I can explain this as well as And if as, they're really bad at it, you got to find ways to let them know we're not doing this. Right, you got to nudge them. Um so obviously I'm avid sports person. Right. Um uh, and Kingston he's he doesn't really care about it. Right. Um as a father I have to decide am I going to be okay with that? 
or am I going to push him to like what I like and in the process, without intentionally doing it, impose upon him boxes that he has to check right. to have my affirmation and approval without realizing it, imposing upon him shame. Right. One of I told Michelle recently, I feel like one of my biggest dad wins is that Kingston is so comfortable with the idea that I love him. He's so at peace that I affirm him and believe in him that he doesn't feel the pressure right. to have to like for it. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't do it, you know, cuz there's a lot of kids that do things to please their dad. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm maybe the biggest thing I'm proud of, you know, is that he is confident enough in how I feel about him that he doesn't have feel like he's got to prove himself in that area. Yeah. I feel like that's a huge win. Yeah. Couple more things and then we'll wind it down. I I was just going to say something yeah, there go with ahead. my dad when I was feeling the call to ministry. You know, my dad's got a business that, that I could probably easily go and take over if I really, really wanted to and yeah. and learn those things. And, and you know what? I could do that and be fine. Mm-hmm. But I remember riding down the road, and I was there was a tension there in me, nothing, nothing that Dad had never told me that I had to or anything yeah. like that. I just didn't want to let him down. Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, I was riding down the road one day, and I said, Dad, if I don't, if I don't, fall in line and and do this business because I have your other family and friends yeah. like, why, you, man, why are you doing this when you could go do that? Right. And I'll never forget. My dad told me, he said, you could come do this, but that's not what you're called to do. Boom. And I just sat there and he said, I've known ever since you were a little boy. Yes. You were supposed to do this. And you're going to, you're not going to be fulfilled. Yeah. You could make all the money in the world. You're never going to be fulfilled. I want you as your dad for you to be to be fulfilled. Right. And man. That set you free. Well, it took it took any pressure that I had created for myself, all because the my father said. Yeah. He knew who I was. Right. Because he was there. Come on. Because he spent time he with me. He was present, so he knew you. He was you. present. Man, I got a great dad. Man, you do. I want to be, you know, I'm putting this pressure on myself now. Like, I want to be that dad for my son. Yeah. But that I would consider that to be a good pressure. Yes. How much good can I do right in front of Griffin? Yeah. Yeah. The the knowing and being known yeah. of father and child. Yeah. Like, they have to know me and I have to know them. Well, the only way they can know me is if I allow them to know me. And the only yeah. way I can know them is if I push past my preconceived ideas yeah. and do the work. A couple more things, and we need to wrap it up yeah. so that this doesn't get too long. Um, another objective I have is to make memories, have traditions, and have inside jokes. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, just just to plan fun outings, to have uh, to have experiences that we can look back on and remember those yeah. experiences. And I said at one point, you know, we go to Disney World. Our kids are not going to remember every detail of that trip, but they'll remember how they felt. <laughs> Absolutely. They'll remember how mom and dad made them feel. And that feeling will resonate with them <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then just the the having traditions, things that you do on repeat <laughs> that yeah. are shared. And then the inside joke thing is just, 
if you have inside jokes, it means you have had shared experiences. Absolutely. And uh, and so I want to have enough shared experiences <laughs> that it's like me and my kids have our own language. I love a good inside joke. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I look at inside jokes as like this own secret language. Like we have a language that's all our own, right? A couple more things, and then I'll hush and let that's you good, let man. you roll. Uh, have rhythms and be consistent. I especially think that's important and was yeah. important for us in the early years of having kids. Uh, when our kids were younger, rhythms, and by that I mean when you wake up, when you go to bed, yeah. put them to bed, have a solid bedtime, eat at a consistent time, make choices. And this is hard, especially if you're in ministry, uh, but do the best you can to make choices that prioritize their rhythms yep. over your ministry responsibilities. Right. At times, because you're in the parenting season, yeah, you're going to have to say no to some things or you, you and your wife go separate ways to do two different things to make sure that you can keep right. kids in rhythm and keep them uh, in a place of consistency. Especially with a son and a daughter. Yes, yeah. And I, we don't have, we, we have one, but. You know, if we yeah. ever have a daughter, yeah, you you have to you have to work uh, for the rhythms. But the reason rhythms and consistency are important is it's healthy for their emotions. Yeah, it's it's healthy for their spirit. Uh, it's it's healthy for them mentally to just have some things that are dependent. Like my kids go to bed at eight thirty. They used to go to bed at eight. My kids never complain or gripe about when it's bedtime. That's what it, they're used to. It is so ingrained right. that, like, this is just what we do. And it's amazing how many battles we've avoided by just consistent rhythms. And not yeah, not just spiritually, but physically. Yes. Their physical body is used right. to doing. I hope they go to bed at 8.30 the rest of their life. Bro, that'd be good. Because they can. I ain't counting on it. Right. <laughs> um. Right. couple more things. Um, Griffin goes to bed about 10. Well, he's younger. It's different when they're little. <laughs> and gets up at the crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, no hollow threats and always follow through. That was an objective Boy. I've had. Like if, we, if they do something and we tell them there's a consequence, we follow through. If you hollow threat, if you say, I'm going to do this, if you do that again, and they do it again, and you don't back it up, then you are setting themself them up to be disobedient. Yes. You are training them to not be obedient. Yes. You you are ingraining in them a a d- bit of defiance. And when I say hollow threats, I, I don't just mean follow up what you're going to say. Don't make stupid threats. Right. Like I'm gonna tear your tail up. Yeah. Like don't make this big old strong. I mean, threat. the bottom line is, I'm not gonna go in here and tear Griffin up. I'm gonna take all your toys away, but I might can make him go lay down in his bed, right? Right. And not get to play with his toys. You're you're halfway to Disney World. You're right. If y'all don't act right, we're turning this car around and going back. You ain't. You ain't turning the car around. Lord no, you done bought, you bought done the spent, tickets. You done spent money. Don't say stupid stuff. Just don't say dumb stuff as a parent, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so doable threats. Doable, doable, <laughs> not dumb stuff that yeah. you're never gonna do. Like it's so dumb, <laughs> and just always follow through, um, and then find a good punishment. And that sounds terrible. Find a good punishment. Find a good consequence. That right. you know we we haven't like. And I mean I don't know how you feel about this watching this. 
in the, the early years, we would spank our kids, a little swat or whatever, when they were at the age where they were not able to really reason and comprehend. Right. And all they could comprehend was a quick action. Yeah. But as they've gotten older, the spankings quit because we could send them to bed right. and then have a follow-up conversation. You know, if if y'all don't get it together, you're going to your room. They don't get it together, you're going to your room. Right. And then we'll follow up with a talk. But that's doable. That's sustainable. That's a Anyway, final thought. Uh, my objective is to be spiritual with them early and often. To be spiritual early and often. Early in their young years, I mean, in the womb, singing over them, uh, praying over them, yeah. prophesying to them. For them to hear me praying, uh, you know, right now, I know I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm going to give no, you a final. No, I, 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 I love it. Um, I, I pray in the mornings, and my kids, most mornings, one of them is going to get up before I'm done, and they know. Like, I'm going to pray until this time, and they will come and sit on the couch with me, and I'll be praying in the Holy Ghost. I'll, I'll be praying through scriptures, and they sit with me while I finish. And then they can go do whatever they're going to yep. do. But I want them to see my spirituality. Mm-hmm. I want it to be on full display. And most parents that, that I'm interacting with, you know, young leaders, they're doing a great job at that. Oh, yeah. Just being spiritual as much as possible, um, having those conversations. So anyway, any final thoughts, Brooks, and we're going to wrap it up. I think we pretty much nailed it. We uh, we went a little longer, about 45, 46 minutes. That's a good subject. But it's worth the time it, spent. It really was. And just, I don't know, just hearing how you do things, I mean, that that encourages me as a father. Like, you know, I, I took, I, I got some takeaways. You know, when I go, hey, man, this would be something good that I can start. Yeah. I, I And I Put say all of there. that, take it with a grain of salt. Cause, right. Because I got an 11-year-old and 9-year-old. I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. Right. Right. I, I just, where they are at present, this feels like it's working. Right. I mean, we had not hit the teen years yet. I just want my kids to love people. Yes. You well, know. and they will because you do. Well. And you you love your son, and you are good at loving your son. And, and love wins. That's it. Love overcomes all our deficiencies. And uh, I'm proud of you, Brooks. Yeah. You're a good dad. Well, you... You're you're a great father, a model father. Well, like I said, I'm not in the teen years yet. <laughs> you know, I spent all these years working with teenagers, and <laughs> and before I had kids, I thought I'm gonna know how to deal with a teenager. <laughs> Kingston went to his first youth service this weekend. He lost his mind, didn't he? Oh, he loved it. I mean, he had shaving cream from head to toe because they had a big shaving cream war. But I'm standing in the back of the room now as a dad in a youth service, thinking, Oh no, oh, I'm all not, that stuff, I'm that guy, all that stuff I thought I knew, I ain't ready. So I haven't got there yet, yeah, but it's coming. Well, here's one final note of encouragement. Wherever you are on the fatherhood spectrum, it's not too late. It's not too late to make adjustments. And, and maybe more than that, just quit beating yourself up. Be present. Be available. Be loving. Finish each day. Yeah. So anyway, well, we love you. Uh, Brooks, would you pray over the yeah, fathers that yeah, are that absolutely. are watching or listening right now? Yeah, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for for all the fathers that are watching today, God, and uh, the the rich, the poor, the 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 whoever uh, that's watching this, whatever economic class they are, um, it doesn't matter what they have or they don't have. It's in us to be a good father, 
God, in a world where there's a lot of dads and very few fathers, God, I just pray that we would we would love our kids. And even for the ones who don't have physically have kids, you're still a father. And you may be watching this today, and the ones that go to your church or the ones that, you know, your friends, uh, kids, uh, you're another father to them. And so just be good. Do everything that you need to do. Do what you say and say what you mean. Mm-hmm. But love the Lord first. And if you love the Lord first, everything else will fall into place. So we just speak that over you today. And we hope you have a great day and days ahead. And we pray it and ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So one final thing, you can follow Brooks on Instagram at Brooks Till. You can find him on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Jeremy Austill. My YouTube channel titled Jeremy Austill. Go there and you can watch these episodes. Thank you for joining us.